and welcome back to the Untriggered Parenting Podcast with me, Paula Sampson-Lawrence. On today's episode, I speak with Morale Dovenay-Jones. Morale is an author and today she talks with us about conscious and empowered grief. Let's dive in. So welcome to the show, Morale. Um, it's so lovely to have you here. So if you want to introduce yourself and let our listeners know a little bit more about you. I would love to do that. Thank you so much for creating space today and awesome sacred space for listening. I am Moraldo Renee Jones, and I'm in beautiful Pueblo, Colorado. Been in this area for most of my life. I'm a mother of two, Leonidas and Zelda, wife of Garrett, and a community leader in my area, creating regenerative systems for a beautiful future for our planet, starting the local area. I'm an author, authorship coach, and publisher. I also have the opportunity and blessing to um, be director of a heritage center and museum locally called the Pueblo Heritage Museum, where we're helping everyone connect to past, present, future, and honoring all cultures and walks of life. And those are the hats I wear and who I am really and who I'm... um, I am in this life and what I'm a stand for is um, as a parent, just a, a world where we're able to let vulnerability lead the way and uh, authenticity be just a commonplace versus uh, something that is uh, sticks out and just is a natural part of our beingness such that young people never have to forget that part of themselves and re-remember it because I do think that young people have that naturally and that we all do. I was a teacher as well in my life and my background. um, Originally, my educational background was engineering and went through the whole like school life and um, loved, loved it for the most part. And also see that there's huge opportunity for us to really up level how we do things on earth, especially for our young people. Mm. So, um, and I'm grateful today to really open my heart and speak from the heart specifically with parenting with my uh, my uh, almost five-year-old son and really empowering going growing through him and uh, with through and with him and alongside him with um, what I call beautiful slash brutal grief and that is another beautiful role I get to hold especially in the authorship spaces I'm a part of is helping people and myself uh, just alongside them right and empower through grief especially those that have experienced trauma tragedy lost people due to tragic circumstances and then um, as it relates to myself just really honoring the tragedy and, and trauma and grief we experience when a loved ones of ours passes in their physical body due to suicide so I'm grateful that you've opened space today we talked a little bit before and you sent me some questions and so I'm I'm actually feeling excited to yeah. share about it and um, hope that someone listening can feel empowered by anything I share. Oh, I'm sure, I'm really sure they will do. Because um, like you said, we did connect earlier. And one thing you said that really stood out to me was you said uh, the, the phrase conscious grief, which I'd never really sort of considered before. So I'd love to hear sort of more about your journey and because I know there was a tragedy in your past that led you sort of here. And if you could speak a little bit about that and what conscious grief 
means to you. Thank you for asking me about that. I, that phrase has come through recently, and I'm sure I'm not the only one using it, although I didn't see it anywhere before saying that. Um, that's the beauty of our connected consciousness. I think things come through all at the same time. So I'm sure if I go give it a search, I'll find others using it, which I'm really excited about, and I'll see their perspectives on it. And for me, conscious grief is ex- kind of just exactly as the name implies, just really letting it be something that we consciously um, allow space and healing for versus kind of as an afterthought. So as a real lived example, um, some stories that go with that to help answer the question would be, you know, whenever the, what I call timeline enfoldment or time enfoldment versus anniversary, um, I use different words and phrases in unique ways. And so when that year, when that time comes up every year, for me, one of those dates is September 6th um, of every year, which is the year that my son's first father and my first husband died by suicide, um, September 6th, 2020. And so um, just last year was the first time I really consciously, um, I was reaching out to my women's support groups I'm a part of, talking to my husband today about it. And um, my family, I'm like, hey, this is coming up. I'm going to be, uh, these are some things I'm consciously going to be doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this cool healing session with a friend and I'm going to do some writing. Uh, I'll, have a, <clears throat> I'll have a coaching session and I'm going to bring all this to it and do a little bit of prayer meditation and honoring, see if there's any tears, but also not force the tears. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so that was really cool this year to do that. And so this past year in 2023, being able to practice what I guess I would call conscious grief was really powerful because I had many days leading up to that day and after where I allowed tears to flow and I allowed um, anything to flow through, even anger, shame, guilt, sadness, all of it, really seeing it all as just this beautiful tapestry of colors almost like versus like the first year after the event. Um, and the the loss, I remember just kind of kind of almost dreading it happen, like the year, the date coming, and and then just would have you know several times where grief was released all at once, whether I wanted to or not. It kind of built up like a like a dam bursting, and both of those experience I ex- experiences I described just now are perfect the way they are and the way they aren't. There's no right or wrong way, absolutely, to process through this. And, and um, I found that it felt much more empowering and transparent and conscious for me to 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 almost like plan it in. Mm. <laughs> so, and with my son, I know we had talked about sharing about that, especially for this podcast. Gosh, it's been such a beautiful and like my sister says, brutal journey. <laughs> um, being able to um, honor the beauty and the the brutal feelings and all of this into beautiful, uh, beautiful and brutal. And so with, with Leo is my son's name. It's been so, it's such a um, bittersweet blessing because um, when um, his first dad, Clint died in um, 2020, we had, um, we had been separated. We separated when Leo was only six months old. There was, a lot of challenge there with um, abuse and me finally becoming um, strong enough to admit that. 
And so uh, 2019 to 2020, we, as much as, as he was able to with um, some mental illness, he battled, um, co-parented. And then September 6, 2020, Leo was just about a year and a half. So I remember when it actually happened. Um, I actually was with my sister. So I found out he passed. And so I didn't see my son until like the next day or so after. And uh, when I got to see him, I first just like held him in my arms, you know, and um, just explained to him. And he was only one and a half. And so just barely starting to get really verbal, but said, um, your daddy Clint went to heaven. And so <clears throat> I remember one time it was actually a, a video that I chose to record that I put on my, um, pinned on my Instagram. And, um, he, w- he just randomly came to me and was like, um, can we FaceTime daddy Clint? And he still was like understanding that concept. And I'm like, oh no, well, like we can't FaceTime him, but we can really just like think of him and think of the spirit and he'll hear us and he'll, we can ask to see if we can meet him in dreams and just send him our love because he's always connected to you. And then we talked a bit more and he started crying a little bit. And this was when he was like three or so. <clears throat> I hold him. I, at this point, I turned on the camera. It was called to capture the moment. Um, and I, uh, asked him like, are you sad that he died? And I was feeling really strong and not crying at all. And so, um, basically he, uh, leaned into me and cried more and, um, I was just comforting him. And then the, the situation flipped where he, he looked up at me and I, as I felt him and he felt me. I said, me too, and started letting some emotion flow. And it had been a while at that point, I believe, in that video that I had really let myself feel it. Then it just flipped to where he just kind of looked up at me and it's like kind of shocked and um, surprised and almost comforting me. And then my daughter, too, who was like one or something at the time, or not even not even one, um, kind of comes up and she's almost trying to comfort from down on the, um, below the couch. And it just flipped and captured something. I wrote like I was comforting him and then it flipped to where he was comforting me. And that has been a really powerful thing that I would say is a takeaway for anyone out there who's going through any kind of challenge through parenting with uh, through grief with young people is that just letting ourselves totally unfold in front of our kids and being like, it's okay. This is okay right now. I'm feeling this and it will pass, but like, let's just let ourselves feel it now. So, um, I think so. And, and, um, I wanted to say the way that I've posed it just because of this age still today, not even quite five, five next, um, in the next couple months is that I say, and I think this is so helpful, um, for anyone navigating this space around specifically mental wellness and suicide is that, um, I say, yeah, daddy's Clint, Daddy Clint's brain was, was sick and he, um, and he took too much medicine and he, um, and his body died. And then of course this applies to whatever your belief system is. But for me, my belief system is the body, his body died, but his spirit's still there and he's connected to your heart. And he's seen, you've seen him in dreams and he's like, well, I want, I want to dream tonight. I'm like, well, sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does immensely help for my personal situation that 
It must be quite tricky because obviously at that age, the language isn't necessarily there to express, you know, how he's feeling. So how did you manage those moments of trying to work out what he needs in certain times while also sort of managing your own emotions and maybe sadness or other emotions like regret or all those things that come up when things like this happen? Well, I thought of a time, Mother's Day 2023, was in the car with Leo. We were picking up a Target order. And um, just it was one, about to be 1.11 p.m., which actually his um, his birthday was January 11th. So sometimes when I see 1.11, I feel like it's a um, reminder for me to uh, if I'm thinking of that or if it's on my mind and I see the number, it's like, oh, OK. And in that time, it wasn't necessarily all like fluffy feelings of honoring or forgiveness. It was like, actually, I feel a little bit angry. Like, so basically I, in his words, in an appropriate way, of course, not in an adult way, I'm just like, you know, yeah, there was, this, there were some times when daddy Clint wasn't very nice to me and I, um, and I got, and I felt a little mad just now remembering that, but then I saw the time, which is a special number. And then I felt, which is true. I felt him come in spiritually and say, I'm sorry which is really what mm. I felt because I felt really angry. And I, I'm proud of myself because I let myself feel it was just privately myself. And then I looked and saw the clock and then I could feel and I softened and I was like, okay, I think that's you saying, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, uh, and I could tell that he kind of got it, but kids are cool where they sometimes are like, okay, and they don't have to say much. So that's basically what he did. Uh, yeah, that felt, that felt so good. And just to be able to tell him, to tell leo in a very not big deal way just like mm. yeah like and because i'm i'm sure especially as time unfolds he'll really especially as he becomes like a young doll and i reveal more he'll you know understand that and uh maybe as he even gets into his own relationships one day and so um be able to have him just really see all parts of me over you know i Something I talk about with my husband Garrett now is like, um, it's really important to keep his memory alive and share how his life was lived versus like just focus on how his um how he how his life ended, um and all parts of it like the good and the challenge, um and that's just that's been really cool for me. So it just um there's really no rules. I'd say um to come back to your question would be that. I thankfully have a lot of tools. So I'd say if, if, um, if someone doesn't feel like they have tools to process the emotions, then um, a few that help me and then there's so many more out there that you can be guided to yourself is just simply journaling. Oh my goodness. That's why writing was so key for me. If you're not feeling called to or don't feel like you have anyone else to talk to, journaling, of course, if it's accessible and what you are called to, counseling and therapy, absolutely. I actually um, have an amazing um, authorship client who uh, would be happy I'm sharing this, Melissa Kayyem. She just published a book called Daily Practices, A Mindfulness Companion. And uh, in there, she has so many different tools. And one of them that I loved was art therapy. And I think it's key, even if you don't identify as an artist, but if it's a Sharpie or a pencil or a pen, or if you have other kinds of artistic tools, um, sometimes just scribbling 
And if there's like, you know, there's something in there, but the tears aren't coming because sometimes we want to cry and it doesn't come. Mm -hmm. And, and so just scribbling. Um, and so that's things that I, um, have slowly started to do with my son too. And so, yeah, I'd say, um, he, he hasn't been, um, crying with me as much lately as I feel like he started to like accept it as a part of his being that like, he still asks, even recently asked like, why it's like where is heaven like he's looking up in the sky i'm like well i don't really know i think it's probably like in the sky but we can't see it with our eyes so he's like and then he asked something about like do angels need to eat food and so um yeah i'd say uh to answer the question about like being in, in tune with his emotions i'd say just being able to sometimes like organically let him bring it up because he does off and on but sometimes finding an entry point um like sometimes a uh, certain car toys he has i'll bring it up because his his first dad loved cars and there's certain mm. cars like subarus that he liked so i'll let that be an entry point or when it was recently his uh his physical birthday be like oh do you know daddy cook birthday um and uh or if a memory reel pops up with a picture when he was a baby just like showing it to him not a big deal and expecting him to like want to go down a path with that he'll just be like oh cool and then go keep playing so um yeah i'd say that's um a long-winded answer for what you asked (laughs) (laughs) no thank you for sharing that um you mentioned briefly about your books if you'd like to go into more sort of detail about them because I think you've got children's books as well haven't you which kind of go into how to deal with grief yeah and that's that's what's most exciting so yeah I'll definitely share about my books here and the purpose and why for me um with our uh, author collective and publishing company author catalyst academy um is that really everyone's story matters your story matters my story matters our stories a collective matters and and so, uh, yeah, my first, my first book in 2020 is called cosmic. It's a story of 20 women, uh, excuse me, of seven women <laughs> who, uh, unveil an ultimate truth for humanity. And they're all represented by different colors of the rainbow. And we have some really awesome sacred dresses and, um, and, uh, other products that go along with that book. I created two children's books recently that, have been super fun. Um, one is a coloring book and, uh, awesome story of, uh, this infinite blob. His name's blob the infinite. And he, um, he's, uh, basically this blob of infinite, infinite dust and stars that explores the cosmos. And then one day kind of starts getting bored with being infinite and wants to experience being, um, just, like finite like we are and so it's like kind of like a one fun version of a creation story but it's also a coloring book and the book is also repeated without words so the kids can create their own words and ways to interpret it and then my um, other children's book is related to my history hat that I wear and it's a real true story of uh woven through um science fiction of um Lucky the horse who's a saddle display horse it, at our museum that I'm director at. And he actually uh, floated down the river 15 miles when a major, major flood happened in Pueblo, Colorado, the flood of 1921. And despite being made out of paper mache, um, he was used to display saddles at the time, um, barely got damaged and was found at the top of a, of a tall tree. 
and wow. uh, became a symbol of hope and resilience for the city at that point that was healing from mass tragedy. Speaking of, you know, healing from uh, individual tragedy, like think of it as a collective scale of loss. And then he also survived a major fire in, in the 1980s and later got the name Lucky from a little girl. <laughs> and so we wrote a book called Lucky to Be Alive, which is visualizing a young girl coming to our museum and then sci-fi style falling back in time and re-experiencing the flood and meeting heroes like the telephone operators who stayed at their post while the water's rising up their feet. And those women saved hundreds of lives um, calling people downriver. And um, she meets lots of other um, heroes who help people and comes back to the present day with a renewed sense of gratitude for life, feeling lucky to be alive, and also just feeling grateful for the people who've come before us and all that they mm. sacrificed for us to be here and creating just a sense of like excitement around history too for young people. So we can, you know, of course, build our future, but ways we can do that consciously is by being aware of like our past and where our ancestors came from. And so, um, and then my, uh, my most favorite mini, mini tiny book is a, a book called mini book of word magic. And it's a short book that is 111 affirmations and declarations. I wrote it in, um, in honor of suicide awareness month this past year, 2023, which is September. And, um, <clears throat> basically it's, it's just, uh, list of affirmations and declarations that had come through for me that helped me when I just need to shift my energy and then a whole bunch of blank pages for people to also write their own. And so that's, what's really exciting is, uh, you know, just all these books. And where can we connect with you online? Where can we find out more about what you're doing and, um, what you're up to? And you can find me at Doe Renee everywhere on most platforms. Um, just D-O-E-R-E-N-E-E, Do Renee. That's usually my handle, uh, as well as my link tree, which is at Do Renee as well. Before I let you go, though, I just wondered if you could maybe say one or two things to maybe help somebody who is supporting a, a child, a young person through really complex emotions, um, a tragedy that might have happened. What would be something that you can tell us that we can take away from all this? I want it to be something unique, but what comes through is the typical phrase of this too shall pass. Mm. And I remember that helping me a lot in the, in the very thick of the challenge um, when I was still just um, feeling rooted in the loss of like, yeah, this too will pass. <laughs> and, and then of course, like if anyone out there is going through that and also feeling feelings of like, gosh, how do I even go on? Um, how can I go on? Um, just know that there's someone there. Um, even if it's not yourself for yourself at that moment, there's someone there that you either know or you can find that can help you and can help you and will listen to you. There is always someone, even if it feels like, um, cause I know there's situations where, you know, you don't feel like you have the listening ear or someone to support you through that. Um, definitely seeking out whether it is professional or friends or others that can be a space. And then knowing that you are the most powerful space, I guess my unique advice in a quote would be, you are your own best healer. Mm. You are your own best healer. And there are just a few times during today's podcast where I 
really felt that. And I was grateful for that actually. Um, and, uh, but there was a time when, you know, first this all first happened, it was just like impossible for me to not, you know, really sob. And now I'm just really accepting that everything happens for a reason, even the most Mm -hmm. challenging stuff. So I think that's another quote is just, gosh, even though it doesn't make sense now and you may feel angry and guilty and sad or whatever, or if it's similar to my situation, you might have survivor guilt, might feel like, what could I have done? How could I have made this better? How could I stop this? Due time, you'll see the higher purpose. Seeing him is and in me is like, this is our opportunity to have um, a level of connection with people through experience. So that way we can um, just all grow and learn together. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing those really beautiful words with us. And thank you for giving your time. Thank you so much for coming on and having a chat with me today. Thank you so much. Really grateful for people like you bringing new conversations in the realm of like parenting and, and growing with, with our young people. How Can I ask you really quick, what inspired yes. you to start your podcast? Do you know what? I've been wanting to do it for many many years and it was it's only last year I thought you know what now's the time I really wanted to speak to women from all walks of life and to just to take all the lessons that they've they've learned and have a central place from it so other women can learn from it so that was really my um my 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 catalyst for it and then when I became a mother you know women supporting women mothers supporting you know mothers because is one thing going through life as a woman, but when you add children into the mix, it's a whole other sort of dimension. So I just really love talking to different women and learning from them all the lessons that they've learned so I can take it on my sort of journey as well. Absolutely. I love that so much. That's that's exactly in alignment with this, what I call like this more beautiful world our hearts know as possible, which is a quote from author Charles Eisenstein. And in this more beautiful world, our hearts know it's possible. It's not toxic competition. It's supporting each other. It's seeing that my journey is your journey. And thank you so much for hearing me today. Absolutely. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.